Hello. It's me. Happy New Year. Hope you had a good one. Hope you had like a good holiday season. Christmas, whatever, Hanukkah, whatever you did. If you don't celebrate anything, I hope you had fun trying to go to the shops when everyone else was off. Because it was fucking annoying, isn't it? I hate the way the world just turns off. I kind of like it. Like most things, I don't really have an opinion. One minute I have one opinion, the next minute I have the other opinion. Um, This isn't my therapy session. This is the podcast. And this week on the podcast, we have Anoop Sastry. Anoop is a very, very in-demand session drummer. I think I call him a session drummer. Uh, He is... He's played for Marty Friedman from Megadeth. He's played for Jeff Loomis from Nevermore. He's just finished recording Devin Townsend's latest album. He's like the go-to guy for, I guess, solo guitarists. They just need like a hard-hitting ripper of the drummer. He's also played in Monuments, played in Intervals. He very in-demand, and he is a producer. Um, produces his own solo stuff as well as other bands like local bands and stuff we talk about life he just got married congrats we talk about drums it's the same shit you know we talk about yeah we talk about equipment he's just started a sample pack with uh alex brudanga the uh the alumni podcast alum- downbeat alumni alex brudinger and Anoop are making a sample pack, so we talk about that. Talk about recording with Devin Townsend and all that stuff, all that good shit. We talk about, I talk shit about um, stuff again, and then you guys tag me in whatever I'm talking shit about, and that's got to stop, guys. All right? I know I'm talking shit, and I should obviously get the wrath, but don't snitch. Don't be snitching on me. Snitches get stitches. Anoop Sastry, the Downbeat Podcast. Hi. Hey, man. How are you doing? Mm. I'm great. Mm, that was like passive aggressive. No. No, sorry. Good. I was I was sipping coffee. Oh, nice! I, I've had a late, I've I've had a late start, man. I, I'm, I might be waking up through this conversation a little bit because this is this is the first cup of coffee for the day. So, did I fuck you up by starting this early? No, not at all. No, it's totally fine. Uh, this is an interesting thing because you're going to be the first person on the podcast that I have never had a conversation with that hasn't been in text. Interesting. Okay. <clears throat> Yet. You've had a conversation with my parents. <laughs> mm. Yeah, man, your dad is awesome. Lovely guy. And your mom. That, but I mainly talk to your dad. Could you understand him? Scottish. Yeah, my yeah, parents yeah, are Scottish, definitely. for anyone that doesn't know. Um, we should probably explain why you've met my parents, but not me. Well, I was borrowing some of your drums for, you know, good old recording session with Mr. Devin Townsend. And, uh... They were at your parents' house. It was also cool to see your uh, see your uh, uh, your studio. Yeah, that's. I haven't been there in a while because obviously I've moved. Right. But, uh, 
Yeah, it was it was a bomb site because I I went there the other day to pick some stuff up and I was like, fuck me, this is a mess. Like you must have just sort of well, had to. It it obviously sort of, looked like someone had moved out. So <laughs> yeah, I just sort of dumped a load of stuff there. Yeah, and then um, how did that go anyway? So you were recording with Devin Townsend. Yeah, it was good, man. I mean, uh, you know, music aside, Devin is just uh, he's he's a he's a character. He's like one of probably one of the favorite people I've ever ever met in my entire life not to i've met him once before and i had a similar experience was just like you're like just yeah on a different level yeah man his energy the the sense of humor just i don't know just everything about him was very um you know such a high high strung situation because i had what three days to record like however many songs and that included setting up and getting sounds and you know the process how long that kind of stuff can take um so like i don't know for as high strung as it was uh you know just being around a person like that was very um calming so he used three drummers for this album yeah crazy man all all, and flew you all over yeah an upcoming devin townsend album yeah Mm mm-hmm empath it's been it's been announced we can talk about it it's not like yeah no we can talk about i mean i think he just tweeted the other day about like it being released in march or something like that so oh cool yeah yeah so you that samus guy is that his name samus Samus, yeah samus uh the blast beat guy um the other blast beat guy i should say um and fucking morgan agron morgan agron man Crazy. I unfortunately didn't get to meet Morgan, but I did meet Samus. He was awesome. Great guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically the whole premise was that, you know, this this album is the first, uh, like, full, how do you say, kind of like Devin's first album in a while, I think, where he it's just his. You know what I mean? It's like, this is all his creation. And he was like, well, let's just kind of go all out and make sure I get all of the elements that I need and want you know, from whoever does it, uh, I guess whoever is used to doing that particular thing, if that makes sense. So like for me, you know, he needed someone who can just write grooves and hit hard. So it was like, all right, I mean, I'll do that. Um, and then, you know, Samus, he needed a guy who can play fast. And then Morgan was kind of like that in between that would fill all the gaps of playing, you know, the groove, some fast stuff and, and mainly more so like improvising, you know what I mean? Kind of giving, some of the songs that kind of like jammy element to it man so i mean the between the two of them alone there's some insane insane talent and then you as well it's kind of in my head not to be offensive to either three of you it's like why not just do one why not just use one drummer because you could play morgan agron style for sure I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, because yeah, but like you could emulate it. I'm sure. I'm not. The guy's a freak, and I'm, I'm sure creativity-wise, he's on another level. Right. But I mean, in my head, I'm thinking of like saving money. I'm thinking of Devin. I'm thinking of Devin's bank account here. I'm like, you could have just clicked a noop to do everything. Well, see, but like you know, some of the stuff. I mean, some of the fast stuff, man. I dude, I can't play fast. I'm not a fast player. My feet suck. I don't do blast beats. I mean, I do if I'm like told to do them and there's money you know what i mean <laughs> but like oh, yeah. i'm not gonna just write someone a black that's not me and 
with Morgan, you know, so that's why Samus was brought in because he was kind of just, you know, it was a no brainer that he would come in. That's his thing. He would kill it, you know? And then with Morgan, I mean, you know, like, I sure, I can maybe like improvise and jam, but at the same time, I think it has a whole lot more to do with just, um, I don't think money was really an issue. I think it was more so that Devin like knew Morgan. They had a really, really good relationship. Devin loves Morgan and it's not just Morgan's playing, but it's like his sound, the way he'll tune a drum kit, the way he'll, you know, hit certain stuff. He just kind of has that Morgan sound, right? Um, yeah, that video from back in the day of Morgan Agron and Frederick from Meshuggah, and he's got that yellow drum kit. Do you know the video I mean? Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Soul Niger stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, that honestly changed my opinion on, like, being able to play jazzy stuff in metal. Yeah. I was like, hang on, you can do that. We're allowed to do that. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I was young as hell when I was... Can we curse on this? Oh, fuck yeah, you okay, can. Okay, sick. Yeah, Every, yeah. Everything except <laughs> the C word. Yeah, yeah, okay. because I said the C word a lot on a couple of them, and I was like, you know, I should probably mm. rein that in. <laughs> but yeah, you can swear all you like, my friend. Yeah, well, I, so I was young as shit when, when Morgan, you know, when I saw that video, and it just blew my mind. You know what I mean? Like... I was so young to the point with, so young with drumming that like, you know, some of those concepts just, I didn't understand any of it, put it that way, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's it crazy. Was, you must have been really young because I was young when I saw it. How old are you? I am 31. I had to think about that. I'm 32 in March. I'm going to be oh, you're- fucking old. Yeah, I'll be twenty. So you're only you're only three years older than me because I'm I'm, I'm going to turn twenty nine in May. Uh, oh, you just got married, didn't you? Yeah. Congratulations. Crazy. Thanks, man. I have How a wife. That? You have a wife. How many times do you call her your girlfriend? Oh man, no, not at all. I love saying wife. It's awesome. I mean, I just still <laughs> accidentally say it. I'm like two years in, and I'm like, oh yeah, my girlfriend, uh, wife. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I've, I've I never said fiance though. Even when we were engaged, I just can't fucking stand the word. Yeah, I never. We never said fiance either. It's like I don't know why it just sounds really pretentious. Anyway, let's. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, we're yeah. on a we're on a Devin roll. Um. So and it was at Mono Valley, which is sick because I've recorded there before, and it's my favorite drum room ever. Yeah, man, that was that was crazy. Crazy. Who produced man. it. I mean, I guess Devin produced it, but who engineered it? Uh, Nolly. Was he there? Yeah, he was the one engineering all the drums. So, oh, Nolly is the fucking greatest. Yeah, man, he's awesome. It, it what was really cool about that experience was that because Nolly used to live in Frederick, right? And you know, Alex Rudinger, uh, him and I, you know, all of us would, would would hang out here and there, right? And there were a couple times that uh, Halpern did a session. What did you, I? There, I think it was twice, maybe that. Like Halpern did stuff here, and Nolly was here as well for it, you know. So like, Nolly and yeah, I. Yeah, I saw those videos. Yeah, so like Nolly and I would we've like been together, like you know we've worked on stuff together, but like never him like engineering me playing. And I was super excited about that. Yeah, he's so great to work with, and his drum tuning pisses know, me man. off how good he is <laughs> it's like infuriating yeah it makes I, 
Sorry, I, I um just before I forget, I recorded that bell brass kit, that VK thing. That yeah, I think Matt and him recorded for Get Good Drums for GGD for their new thing. Right, and I got it. I was the first person to play it after them. And I took it out and set it up and everything. And I was like, this is a nollie tuning, isn't it? And it was just immediately, it sounded like a piano. Like yeah. the notes were like, bing, bong, bong, <laughs> Man, those videos were sick, by the way, that you posted on the on that kit. Thanks, mate. I, I don't, I, no one from Tamara has said, why are you doing that? So, <laughs> I Yeah, I, I meant to like, I don't know. I don't really give a shit about that stuff. But when I when I saw you post, I was kind of just like, huh, I wonder if... They care. I think I think they don't care because it's like a boutique seventeen grand drum kit thing, and also seventeen yeah. uh, grand. It's seventeen seventeen thousand pounds, so it's like twenty US. Oh my god! The kick, no, the floor tom weighs a hundred pounds. I have Jesus. no idea how much the I, I couldn't pick the kick up because it wasn't like wrapped around a deadlift bar it's yeah. like a very awkward lift like a strongman lift i just couldn't lift it yeah up. yeah i mean if we're you know if we're being serious i could probably deadlift it but you need to roll it into a bar first 100 but, pounds um, i've seen you deadlift way more than 100 pounds no that was the floor tom the kick drum i have no idea how heavy it oh, was jesus it's like you're trying to pick up it's probably 200 pounds but you're trying to pick it up like a 200 pound dumbbell that's yeah <laughs> 20 22 by 16 <laughs> that's nuts man that i i sick. used i used the snare drum for the devon record that was that was amazing so oh so this is what i'm going to get onto was the they've stopped making the bell brass now tama oh uh, as in they're not going to make any more ever i don't know if i'm allowed to say that but i have just announced that whoops <laughs> <laughs> uh but i know they they got the guy from Bring Me the Horizon because he wanted a bell brass and they don't make him anymore. So they got him a VK. So he's playing a VK bell brass. So I'm wait, sure. Wait, wait, what do you mean they got him a VK? As in they, I mean, I'm sure they pay. I'm sure Bring Me paid for it, but he is playing a VK bell brass because he said, I want a bell brass. And Tamara, I assume, said, We can't get you one anymore. But Man, you can, you can get one of these. I want that snare. I, I I definitely want a VK at some point. You know, I I don't I don't know if I'll necessarily use it in videos and stuff. If Tom is not cool with it, just because you know, they, well, they must be if Bring Me's got one. Yeah, well, I mean, I but you know, the I guess I talk to them first is all I'm saying. But like, man, I de- I still I still want one of those one of those snares just to have. You know, I think. You can't beat a bell brass snare, a bell bronze, or whatever it technically is. It's yeah, just, you can't. You can't fucking beat it. Which one did you play? Did you play the matte one? Uh, it didn't have that periphery logo on it, so no. It was. I think it was part of that same kit that you you used. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I played that snare also. Yeah. So because Nolly said it was the one that they used on the, on the GGD thing. So I mean. It's like a fourteen by six and a half. Yeah, it's a five, big ass snare. It was amazing. Five mil, dude. That was that was that was the first. You're a heavy hitter too. I mean, like that was the first time I could hit as hard as I fucking wanted to with the rim shot, and that thing would not move. It was such a nice feeling. Yeah, I've seen it in some of your videos. Your drums are like fucking shaking around. I, well, I have to tape some of that stuff down, and like you know, like 
even then, even with the tape, I just don't like it, like, you know, kind of waving around and stuff. And that was yeah. that was the first snare that I've ever played that was just like, nope, it's going to stay the fuck put right here. Yeah, I took a, in fact, I took a Black Beauty on my last tour because I couldn't fly with my bell brass because I got those VK hoops on it now. Yeah. So it weighs too much to take on as hand luggage. So I took like a just a Ludwig Black Beauty on our last snare and I forgot how light those things are and it was just bouncing around the fucking stage. Mm. It was like a fe- if it was like a festival riser, it was just like Oh man. <laughs> oh, it was just so annoying. Yeah, fuck that. You also do hit hard too, so I can only imagine. Best between the two of us, what sticks do you play? I think we both yeah, you play the fucking monster sticks, don't you? No, fuck all that. I, I stopped using marching sticks, man. I don't know what the hell I was thinking with that. <laughs> that was that was just a phase but i'm on to uh uh vic firth metals now so i play the rocks and there's a small difference between the two and i can't remember what it, what it is yeah the metals i think are just slightly longer maybe the tiniest bit thicker but like i don't even know at that point because i remember having a couple pairs of rocks and they felt pretty close except for the length yeah i think the thickness is the same okay um, but yeah, maybe they're longer. Oh, maybe I need to play the metals because sometimes <clears throat> I feel myself coming out the back end of the rocks a little bit. If I'm trying to play something loud and controlled, mm, you know, when you just yeah, let, yeah. you you just hang off the edge a little bit. Metals are pretty sick, man. I, the length is that's one of the longer sticks I think right now for kit. So nice. Uh, so how did you become like? the go-to metal session guy because you are am i the go-to metal session guy (laughs) right so i looked at a list of people that you've played for before this obviously i knew a few of them um and the list is absolutely fucking massive and this was like an old list from your website off the top of my head really dang i don't even feel like i've played for that many people jeff loomis that was just intervals okay uh monuments marty friedman devin townsend this is off the top of my head i haven't even got the list in front of me <clears throat> yeah um, fair enough. i mean well wait, it's a christopher lee yeah oh that's just, that's one of my what uh chris smith um, oh so it's not christopher lee as in fucking no no, no. dracula no <laughs> no I thought it was the old English actor because he did like a metal song at some point for like Christmas or something. I thought maybe you'd played on it. No, no, no. No, He's Christmas. dead now anyway, so uh, <laughs> it would have been a while ago. No, I, I just put all the names up there, you know, in case people do want to hire me for session work, they can look up some of the artists, you know, whether they're known or not. You know what I mean? Um, I get it. So. But yeah. So. That's. I mean, I need to sort of navigate through this. Chris needs Let's to put start. that music up. He's one of my good friends. He's 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 helping uh, Alex and I on that on the sample pack. He's one of our uh, one of our partners oh, yeah, on that. So don't talk about the sample pack. Yeah, I've got that. That's written Sorry. down. We're talking right. about that okay, later okay, on. Okay, 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 yeah. But if anyone's listening, and you're into sample packs. We're going to talk about them later on. <laughs> um, I, I'm really interested in hearing about that actually. But I'm also interested in hearing about how you became the guy that everyone sort of picks and like weird people like <laughs> not weird people but like 
How did you get? How's Jeff Loomis come up? Man, that was that was weird. That was weird because, like, you know, I don't know. I just it, it's kind of funny, you know, looking at me behind Jeff, out of all people. But anyways, that I never recorded with him. I just toured his stuff uh, live, and um, basically what happened was I was putting up, you know, my shit little YouTube videos, uh, and then all of a sudden, Steve Joe, you know him. Nope. He used to be at Century Media. Uh, now he's at Prosthetic. That guy is awesome, man. Such a good dude. Um, anyways, he was, I guess he was, you know, Jeff's label guy for his solo stuff at the time. And he reached out to me on my SoundCloud and on YouTube out of all places. And I thought it was a joke at first, you know, like guy from Century Media hit me up. And, you know, this, keep in mind, this is like the first thing, like first touring thing ever that i got so you know i'm completely green to any of this stuff right is this pre-intervals i was in intervals but like we i think what we had maybe played one show and then i was in another band called sky harbor uh as well but again we had only played like one show so neither of those bands were like i don't really think they were doing much at the time right i can't really remember to be honest but uh, either way, those bands were my bands. The Jeff Loomis thing was was definitely like a hired gun type thing, right? But um, yeah, so then they just asked me to audition, you know, make a make a couple YouTube videos of me playing his solo stuff, and then next thing you know, I'm picking up Jeff Loomis with one of my other good friends from this area, uh, Greg Macklin from the airport, and we're starting to rehearse for a tour. Just like holy shit, what did I get myself into? How do I know Greg Macklin? Uh, Greg is the man. He what? What did he? He was in uh, Alex's band, Ordinance. He was the guitar player. And then, yes. yeah. And then uh, when I got the Loomis gig, I actually uh, Jeff needed a bassist, and obviously Greg was a guitar player. But I just asked Greg because he was you know one of my best friends at the time. So it was like, hey man, I know you can easily just pick up a bass and learn this shit. Like, do you just <laughs> you want to go on tour? And I love that. I love it when you can hook your friends up with something because it makes the touring experience that absolutely, much yeah. And I mean, like he was from this area too, right? He's friends with Alex. He's just one of our guys, right? So it was, it's good to be in a van with someone like that. Did you ever get asked to join the Heart Machine? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Should yeah, I, I rephrase that? Have you been asked to join the Heart Machine in the last forty-eight hours? No, not in the last 40. I, ah, man, this was maybe like a year ago or something. I got a, I got so a message funny. saying that like Mike was back in and blah, 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 blah. And that like, was a lie. And all this stuff. And, and I, and <laughs> I think it was, is it EJ? Uh, I don't know. That was, I forget who hit me up about it, but I think it was like a manager guy. And my response was just like something along the lines of like, hey, man. You know, thank you for the offer or something like that. But this guy has kind of dicked over a lot of, you know, my close friends and, and, and just a lot of people that I know. Um, best friends, you know what I mean? So I respectfully so decline. No. It's funny he said that Mike was back in it. Well, it was about a year ago. That's rare. A lie. That's very rare. Um <laughs> So, hang on, so you mentioned Sky Harbor as well. Mm. Was Dan Dan from Tesseract in that band, or am I making that up? Yeah, he was in it. Yep. Is he still in it? No. No, no, no. He, le he left, like, 
a little bit after I did. Uh, and that was because he uh, rejoined uh, Tesseract around what my last tour that I was on with Sky Harbor. He that's when we all found out. And we were kind of just like, all right, well, probably should start looking for another vocalist. <laughs> and Mike Semeski tried out for Tesseract probably during that interim period as well. Uh, Mike Semeski did not because he was still in uh, intervals with us. Oh, so, yeah, sorry, but he did. <laughs> oh, he did? <laughs> I, he, I think he was in Heart Machine and someone else at the same time as well, and he tried out for Tesseract, and I okay. found out from someone else. So and we were all just a little bit like, oh, did he now? But, yeah, I, I don't blame anyone for trying to join Tesseract because that band is fucking incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Mike <laughs> is a sick guy too, man. You know Mike. I know Mike, yeah, I was in a band with him. He lived at my parents' house, actually, the first, the six months that we took to record Disclosure. So that, was, that was, oh, right, okay. Supposed gotcha. to be recorded in uh, two weeks, you know. The drums took five days, the bass took five days, the uh, the rest took six months. That's that's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. That you were in a band with Mike Smesky. Yeah. He actually, funnily enough, when... I was ejected from the harm machine. Um, well, actually, I it was like a self-imposed. I was like, look, if this is happening, I'm not in the band anymore. And then uh, Mike actually said, okay, don't be in the band anymore. Mm-hmm. When, when uh, just because he was you know, away from home or whatever, when he was actually living in my parents' house. And I was like... <laughs> You you do realize what this means? And he was like, uh, I guess so. And then I told my parents, and they, because I obviously I lived in my apartment, yeah. And he was staying with my parents, and uh, they just chucked him out immediately that day. Really? So yeah, literally just dropped him off at a fucking train station. Holy shit! And then, and then when the um, when the time came when they'd finally got the album advance to pay me for my time so I would release the files. I won't go into the huge detail of the thing. Right. But uh, I was basically holding the files ransom uh, until I got paid at least something for my... Like, I quit my job or whatever. I lost a bunch of money. When I finally got that money and they came to pick up the files off my dad, um, Mike and Ollie asked if they could come in and say bye to my mum. Because obviously they'd been living there for a bit. Right. And we're like, oh, do you mind if we go in and say bye to Elsa? And my dad just goes, no, nah, I think you boys should just fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking legend. Wow, man. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a, a bit of heart machine history there. I, mean, I don't want to talk about the heart machine. That's amazing. Uh, because I don't care. Good luck <clears throat> to everyone in that band. <clears throat> uh whoever whoever you may be <laughs> um so are you in a band now Mm-mm. i'm not i'm a free agent that's not that's snap, not snap you up that's not technically true but like uh well no it is i mean i have like a you know there is a project that i'm trying to work on right now with uh an old guitar player from intervals who also got kicked out with me him and i decided to write music after that and then so there's that i mean as far as us touring i don't really know 
you know, how that's looking just because, you know, both of them, jumping into a van and, and having the money to do all that. I, I personally don't know if I'm ready to do all that from scratch again. Um, yeah, no way. But the music that I'm writing with him is like very exciting. It's like the, it's, it's the first time in a while that I've been a part of like a project where I'm like genuinely, you know, excited about you know, like, oh, this is mine. You know what I mean? Like, fuck yeah, this music is sick. You know what I mean? What does it take to get you to join a band? What would you need? Uh, right now, I mean, it. It unfortunately, it's it's a budget thing. You know, it's like because because I can stay home and and get decent work month to month, um, and you know that involves like my dog is getting old too, so it's like his health has been going. You know slowly down and for me to go out and travel is kind of just really tough right now if i you know especially if there's no budget involved so that's what i mean i need to know i want to know the budget that it would take for anyways if someone say some of them might be listening to this from a band (laughs) who and their drummer is leaving or quit or whatever and they're like they might think they can't afford you well i want to know personally I don't want to know what the actual amount of money, but obviously you need an amount of money. But like when I spoke to Rudy about this on the podcast, mm. we both came to the conclusion that that it either needs to be the money at this point in our career. Anyway, I'm not saying for, you know for fucking people that have just started playing the drums, but to be away from home for that long in a van, the money has to be really good, or slightly less good money on a bus for the mental health being able to fucking sleep. Yeah, element. no, absolutely. I mean, if, for me too, it's one of it, it, the music is, is a big part of it as well. Um, oh yeah, shit. And, and that, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cause you know, like I'll, there, I'll go for a lower budget if, if I'm genuinely into the music, you know, I mean, I, I'm about to do that actually with, uh, um, my old band sky Harbor. They're playing a couple of shows in Australia and then what? I saw that one in Mexico, and they they just hit me up a couple months ago, and they were like, "Hey, would you be interested potentially?" And I was like, "Yeah," but it the whole premise is that it's a fill in thing right now, um, which it, it feels great because it's like you know we haven't played together in you know a few years, so we can kind of gauge everyone out, make sure that everyone's happy, and not just like, "Oh, Anoop is actually a shit drummer" or whatever. Or not what we were looking well, for. It's not going to happen. But yeah, I mean, like, they, they don't really have... It's cool places. Sorry, yeah, it's I'm cool places, exactly. Um, have and, you been to Australia before? I have not. Exactly. That's like... Or Mexico. Everyone has the same the same criteria at this stage in your career. It's almost like there's a flow chart, which is like, first off, is the music good? You're right, that it should be the first thing. And then it's like, am I going to get paid well? And then if the answer to that is no, it's like, is it in a place where I would spend so much money to actually travel there myself? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, it's like, well, then obviously we're going to do it. Like when we do Southeast Asia, we never make any money. We make money around it, like Australia and Japan and stuff like that. But Southeast Asia is just because the kids really want us there. Mm. And it's like people pay thousands and thousands of dollars to go on vacation to these places and we're essentially just going for free. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's fun. I, it's kind of crazy to me when you know people, because when people ask me like, "Oh, what do you do?" It's like, "Oh, I play drums." They just kind of assume that it's like, you know, like like a toy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, lo- <laughs> like local band. Yeah, yeah, you know, or, 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 I don't know. It, I I honestly don't even really like talking about it all that much when when people ask me about that kind of stuff when I meet someone new. It's it's just one of those things where I'd rather listen to them talk about themselves for some reason. Um, but like, no, it, I know, you know what you mean. Yeah, I and and part of it, what surprises me is when people, you know, think it's crazy for us to 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 want to make money from it. You know, the amount yeah. of hours that we put into practicing, the amount of stress that you know we we put ourselves through. Because think think about your day to day. You know, like our our hours don't really end if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just kind of constant. I was thinking about that today, actually, because I've got like, I got a new practice regimen, which I always have a pretty good practice regimen, but now I've started like splitting it up like a gym split almost. Yeah. So, you know, like at the gym, you will do, I, I will personally do a push day, a pull day, and then legs, and then have a day off and then repeat it. Right. So with drums now, I'm doing. I'm doing a day when I practice new stray stuff. I'm doing a day when I practice the old stray stuff that's going to be in the set. And then I have a day where I just work on like creativity and new stuff or whatever. And then I have a day off and then I repeat that. And it's been working pretty well. But then I was thinking about it earlier, like what you were saying, it takes me probably 40 minutes to drive to my studio from my house. So I got 40 minutes there. Let's say, let's just call it 30 minutes to make it easier for my shit brain. So 30 (laughs) minutes there, and then I'm a minimum of two hours there. Right. Probably more like three. And then a half an hour back. So that's like four four hours before I've even thought about doing a podcast or any kind of work. On other stuff. Other stuff, yeah. Editing things, even just answering emails. I mean, like, social media is part of it too, man. It sucks because huge. you know, like, there's this whole wave of people being like, "Oh, everyone's so not genuine on social." But it's like, yeah, th- yeah, that's true. But at the same time, when it comes to like musicians, we kind of, I don't know, we kind of have to use that as like our portfolio slash resume. You yeah. Know? So it's like, I'm going to post shit stuff. I saw yeah. something today when it was like, I want you to go out and post something shit about your playing. I was like, nope, won't be yeah. doing that. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, just know, man. everyone that's listening, just know there's fucking loads of shit stuff, but you're never going to see it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. So, anyway. But that's another angle. That's quite hypocr- hypocritical in itself. Like the people that post those things and say, Oh, I want you to come out and post something that you're really bad at today. Man, that shit it's pisses like, me off. That shit pisses me off. And it's like they're they're them making a post about that is just them in like at the deepest sub level is them thinking, hmm, this is a good way to get some new content. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, it just blows my mind though that like that's that that upsets you. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's like, what the fuck were you expecting when you? got a Facebook and then you posted your first profile picture. Oh, I want this picture to represent my life, right? It's like that's the whole premise from literally when you start the, your your account 
is that. So when you're surprised by it later, years down the line, it's just like, all right, you know, I, I <laughs> yeah. What were you expecting? I'm glad you share. I'm glad you share the same uh, same thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I get it. I do too. And it, it it is annoying having to just post good stuff all the time. Absolutely. But you kind of it's like on your CV. I mean, what would you call a CV in America? Your fucking you know. Would you give a company before before you're going for a job interview? Resume. Resume, yeah, you okay, yeah. Right, so in Britain, it's just called a CV, curriculum vitae. Uh, but wow, you're not going to put on it, like, all the jobs you got fired from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Absolutely. As, as working musicians, your, like you said, your Instagram feed or whatever has to represent your best stuff. Otherwise, people are going to go... Ah, he got fired from McDonald's. Like, yeah, absolutely. I'm not having him playing in my band. And maybe that argument is made a little bit more towards, you know, people where, like, it's just all selfies, for example, or, like, I don't know, you know what I mean? You know how you, you just scroll by some accounts and, like, you tell that, you can just tell that person has put a lot of, like, thought into their picture of themselves? Yeah, but even that, but even like, that like, I is, follow a lot of... I follow, follow a lot of jacked dudes, you know? Yeah. And uh, I like it when it comes up. And I think I should probably go to the gym. I should probably work yeah. a little bit harder. And yeah. good drummers as well. When it, when it comes up, like, you know, you or anyone, like Luke Holland or whatever, and there's a video comes up, and I'm like, fucking hell, they're so good. And then I go and practice because I want to be as good as them. I think it's good for the evolution to see all these people who are in apparently it sets a standard infallible yeah the standard is admittedly far too high because obviously you don't see the bad stuff right that's good overall that's good because everyone the standard is too high so people are working to get to that standard and it ends up they probably end up better than most people yeah when they are soul crushingly depressed about not being as good as everyone on instagram right right i mean i i that that's good but that, to a degree as well, you know, I, I do think there is still like that other side of the argument you can make where it's, you know, it can be a bit poisoning as well, you know? I like the poison though, for me personally. <laughs> like, I want to be poisoned. I want to think that everyone is better than me because then I'll be better. I need to kick up the fucking ass. But see, not everybody has that perspective either, you know? So yeah, I, I just had that conversation with my wife. My wife. Yay. Uh, the other day we were talking about this, about how, you know, it, everybody, everybody needs to experience some kind of ass kicking, whether it's physically or mentally in their life, because that's what kind of makes you want to be, you know, that's what makes you want to self-improve, right? Yeah. And social media is one way to get it, but I don't think, <laughs> I don't think everybody has the right outlook towards it in order to get it from it. You know, you th- yeah, they, you think they just get bummed out by the yes. amount of perfect there is. Exactly. I guess so. I don't see it because I'm like, oh, these people are perfect. I must be more perfect. But that's the logical. Right. You, you, you're, you're just more logical about it. That's all. You know what I mean? Like you don't let more that kind psychotic of psychotic about it. Maybe. Well, <laughs> well, you just don't let it affect you mentally, I guess, you know, other than just wanting to self-improve. And then I, and that's the thing. I feel like my quest for self improvement in all, in all aspects, like 
fitness, drumming, whatever. I think that comes from not, you know, when I'm working so hard at improving on these things, I don't have time to get depressed. Yes. So it's like, I like people being better than me because I think, I think subconsciously it's like, mm, that means I've got another eight hours this week of not thinking about my problems and <laughs> just practicing. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. I, I do the same as well. So strange situation being a musician. It is, man. It is. But as long as, as I, as long as there's some kind of sympathy for the other half, I, I feel like you're, you're fine. You know, <laughs> I'm going to have to bring in that sympathy. <laughs> bring in some sympathy. I've got no time for to sympathy. Everyone is better than me. So I've got no time and must be better. Hey, the gym uh, is the gym is a, is a good thing for that, man. That's, that's part of the reason why I work out as well. It's just to get that ass kicking, you know? Oh, I love it. We need to get a lift in. We need, well, first we, we need to meet, meet in human <laughs> form and then get a lift. Up. I remember watching a video of you leg pressing something insane oh yeah like 900 pounds or something thousand i, I hit a thousand pounds. pounds a thousand pound leg press yeah that doesn't insane. help your squat at all unfortunately but i, I am aware but <laughs> you must have like insane quads Nah, man my squat i the highest I ever got on a squat was 405 and it was pretty consistent for a few months this was like a year ago and then I started doing like a lot more car. I started going to an MMA gym to like do kickboxing, mainly jujitsu. Nice. So I only lift once a week now because of it. But ever since that happened, my my weights have just gone down. And now when I go lift, I do deadlift, squats, bench all in a day. And psycho. That's an ass kicking. That's an ass kicking. And my numbers have gone down, but at the same time, I'm still like pushing through and kind of trying to like ego lift. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's so, not uh, good, but so did you drop down to once a week because of just being so burnt out from the MMA gym? Uh, no, just because I'm at the MMA gym anywhere between three to four times a week. So it's like the other days that I, you know, I mean, dude, I'd get my ass kicked at that gym. So it's like, you know, by the time Friday rolls around, which is my lift day, my body is already so broken that like you know <laughs> i know it i um i had um when i was in reading i was in a muay thai gym nice i did that i did that like yeah so religiously you know. for like six months yeah and uh i kept going to the gym as well as it but i lost so much weight because of just how much i was exercising like playing drums uh kickboxing four times a week plus going to the gym three times a week. Yeah. But it was incredible for like my productivity because I had so much to do and no time to like worry about whatever. But I, I feel you on just. Yeah. Being, so, you know, I mean, just doing that kind of activity for like that many times a week, you know, after you do that, you're just like, fuck. Yeah. Now I'm going to go Wait, try the, and deadlift, you know, the guy that ran my Muay Thai gym was this uh, Slovakian guy, right? Fucking hard as nails. He, uh, there was this one time where they had this, like, they have one guy that's like the, the main fighter who actually fights in competitions and stuff. And uh, he's like fucking absolutely jacked lad. And one day he was, he was over his way in. Mm. 
I think maybe because he'd been fucking on the source or something, but it was the way in for his fight and he was over. And this uh, Slovakian guy had this huge uh, like argument with him in the actual place uh, about him missing his weight. This ginormous argument. They were like, I thought they were going to kick each other's ass. And then it, it ended. We finished the training. And then at the end of that training session, he's like, right, we're going to do a new thing today. Just going to prepare you mentally for what might happen in a fight. I need a volunteer. And then picks the guy that he'd had an argument with later, uh, earlier, <laughs> stands him stands him next to him. And he's like, okay, so what are you going to do? You're, everyone's going to get a partner. And then you're just going to... And then he fucking lamps him in the stomach as hard as he can. Jesus. Without telling him that he's going to do it. Wins him. Literally just punches him as hard as he can. The guy obviously is winded <laughs> and then they start having a bit of an actual fight and then they he stops and he, he says, you know, what we're actually doing is we are going to punch each other in the stomach at varying degrees of difficult, as in like, you're going to get harder and harder until the person can't take it. But obviously he just wanted to fucking punch that guy all <laughs> of the session. And then we did it and we did this thing where we're essentially just punching the person next to us in the stomach until they can't handle it anymore. And it was fucking sick. <laughs> that's that's intense, man. It was like Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. That's some shit you see in movies for sure. But that, yeah. I reckon in those six months, I got so much... I learned so much about just myself and how much I see? could take. Okay, so th- there you go. So that brings me t- to something I wanted to say. Everybody needs to be punched in life. <laughs> At least physically or metaphorically, at some point, you need it. You know what I mean? Like, people need it. You need to get punched. You need to get punched. Is there any preference on the physically punched or mentally punched? Doesn't matter. Either one is How hard is the mental punch? I mean, I figure it would hurt just as bad as the physical one, right? I mean... All right, what's your hardest mental punch that you've currently had? There's a few Otherwise. of them, man. <laughs> Let's keep it to doing music. Don't get me into some real darkness. Okay, okay, music. Um, well, getting kicked out of a band is you know that you thought was going cool, and then you get kicked out. That's that's a pretty brutal punch, I'd say. Was that intervals? Yeah. What'd you get kicked out for? Well, I mean, I think he just wanted to be a solo guy because he saw all these other guitar players coming up as solo guys. You know, like. You know, like like guitar players kind of uh, marketing themselves as like their name instead of like going through a band. So I think he wanted. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I I get it, but at the same time, you, you just better ways of going about doing it than just you know blindsiding your entire band one day. And yeah, I don't know anything about that band, but it sucks that you got kicked out of it. Yeah, I mean it sucks, but at the same time, I'm kind of glad at this point because. I don't like working with shitty people. Ha. Exactly. I, I feel the same about... The Heart Machine wasn't really a big punch, but... Uh, yeah, it was, actually, to be honest. But once you're out at the end of it, and then you see what you've achieved compared to what the other people have achieved, mm. then you're just like, okay, that was a great thing to happen. Yeah. Shame I couldn't fucking Doc, Doc Brown and myself tell me that at the time, but... Yeah, I mean, for me, it wasn't really the comparison of what I've achieved versus what 
he's achieved currently. It's it's more or less just like I just learned from it. That's all, you know. Like it it made me better for me. So, wow, I sound like like that was fucking, spiritual. Yeah, right. <laughs> as well as you sounding really spiritual, <laughs> I sound like a complete wanker. <laughs> uh, I guess that's how we're doing it. Uh, what happened with monuments? <laughs> were, you, were you in monuments? I'm, I was I'm in monuments. Yeah. So, did you leave monuments? I left monuments. Yeah. <laughs> how much can you talk about that? <laughs> no, it was. I mean, man, it, it just wasn't for me, and I don't think I was for them. That's all it was, you know. So I, I genuinely miss Ali. Ali is awesome. Such a good dude. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think just stylistically, it was, it, you know, I just wasn't the guy. You were the guy. Uh, you mean personality style? I think drumming wise as well. I think a, no, a lot of I things. Just, I think a lot of things. Why did they get you to play on the album then? Well, so a lot of the drums for the album were actually already pre-written. Uh, which is something that I try and clarify as much as possible. But basically, they approached me with you know all the demos, and Ollie and Brown are both really, really good about writing drum parts. They have a good ear for drums, so you know it. It wasn't one of those sh- shitty cases where it's like you're just trying to learn a fucking guitar player who wrote drums, and you're like, God damn it, that's not even possible. Yeah. I need My four least hands. Favorite thing. I'm doing oh that man, at the moment. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I can't stand it either. But, you know, I mean, there was maybe only a couple instances where I was like, guys, I need three hands in order to play that one hit, but I can do everything else. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they were really good about writing the parts ahead of time. They knew exactly what they wanted before bringing Why any of the material to me. program it then? Just wanted real drums, I guess, you know? <sighs> but this is the thing. I feel like if you want... If you're gonna, if a guitarist or whoever is that married to their parts, then you just program it and get Ackle to mix it because the Tesseract albums are all programmed and they sound incredible. Mm. It annoys the fuck out of me when I'm learning something and then I go and record it and they're like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, can you can you play what's on the demo?" It's like, well, "Fucking, why are you employing me then?" <laughs> I mean, obviously. The, Obviously, the you know, there's a few times that that happens, but when that happens, like throughout the entirety of every song, it's why are you employing me? Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, even if they were like, "Hey, can you write parts to this on your own and then record those?" I would have still programmed the parts to write the parts in the first place. So it's like you know, even at that point, you could have made that argument. Mm, yeah, but then you're still getting employed. And also, I feel like when a drummer programs parts, when you when you a guitarist is never programming a six stroke roll. Let's be honest. So, <laughs> so they don't need the six stroke roll. But if you're writing and you uh, do a six stroke roll, you know that that's going to sound better with a real drummer. Whereas yeah. when drummers, when guitarists want their parts played, it's only just a bump, bump, You know what I mean? They're never, they're never programming something that needs like a unique feel. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know, man. I, I didn't think it was that bad of a process, to be honest. And even further, I, I just didn't really read into it too much. I was kind of just like, okay, sick. You know, I'll do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on people here. I was just trying to 
It, no, I no. Want, not, if yeah. I got you to play on my album, if I say that, say I'm a guitarist, I would give you the guitar things, and then the program demo drums, and then I'd be like, "Do your fucking thing, my friend." Right, right, right. Yeah, and I'll pay you more because I know you have the right parts. Yeah. Well, I still did my thing for sure because there were, you know, there were like placeholder fills. I guess you could call them. You know, like. Like, here's a fill, but, like, the whole idea is we want you to do something there, so do it, you know? So, there were moments like that, but as far as the actual grooves and stuff go, a lot of that was, you know, uh, definitely premeditated. Let's, I'm going to go slightly off-piste, but I'm interested to know how you do it and how it relates to how I do it. So, when okay. you're writing parts, whether it be for your solo stuff or a band... And you, I program them as well, the same as you. How how do you go about making them interesting? Are they interesting from the get go, or do you like program it simple and then jam it, and then reprogram some of the stuff that you jammed? Uh, well, a lot of times I tend to overwrite when I program. So usually I'll 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 just do nothing but you know program first and then immediately just go try and track those parts but then usually once i've gone over the song and done everything i it takes me longer to go back through and then make things more interesting from there so it's like sometimes there's like a three-step process to it you know what i mean it's like write your initial drums program it get your parts down go track those parts and then during that tracking process, you might be like, oh, that was shittily programmed. This is how I'll actually play it. Whatever, right? You track them. And you go back to the song one more time and do like a once-over, kind of like a after you've consolidated and edited you know, all of what you've tracked, then it's like go back over and see if you can just make it even you know, better from there now that you can see it as a whole. That's almost exactly what I do. Yeah, I mean... I, I get... Except I program the bare minimum first. Oh. Until I until I know. So I literally program this is the verse beat, this is the chorus beat, this is the middle eight beat or whatever. Oh, that's and sick. then so then that way I know the song and then I just stick the song on, repeat, right. and then start adding some cool fills in or whatever and changing the verses or whatever. Right. Then right. I'll go back, program what I now have as the main song. So it's probably a slightly more jazzed up version. And then on the flight to going to record, then I fill in every other little gap that could be a little bit cooler. So if I have like a cool fill, yeah, I'll be like, I could do something the bar before that. And then I'll program the lead in to the cool fill. Oh, that's crazy, man. <laughs> And then I have to learn that stuff in the studios. But it means that I have like this, it's almost like smoke and mirrors. It's like, really, underneath this is a very boring drum part. Right. And what I've done is just built built stuff onto other stuff. Like, That's pretty verse, cool, man. There's a verse in um, All Day and a Night on the last Stray album. The verse, I had the basic thing down. And then on the flight to go and record... I was like, man, what if I started playing groups of three on the hi-hat, like, in this bit? And I was like, ooh, that's cool. And then I was like, ooh, what if I fill these two ghost notes in here? And then it ended up sounding sick, and then I just had to learn it in the studio. Man, that's brutal. <laughs> I mean, that's... And, 
that's a crazy process because I mean, like, if I had to learn anything in the studio like that, unless it's like you're coming up with stuff on the spot with whoever you're working with, that would freak me out. Well, Will Putney records drums last, so we had a separate room with a drum kit in it while everyone was tracking guitar that I could oh. practice in. So it wasn't really like I was recording. I was learning it while I was recording. I was like learning it at the studio. Dude, that's sick. Doing drums last is crazy. That's how I, I do, well, kind of. That's how I do my solo stuff. I feel like it's the best way, but for some reason, no one really talks about it. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it's... For my solo stuff, well, I, I can't compare to, like, obviously, like, Stray or anything, because my solo stuff is just for, like, me. But, like, that kind of stuff, it, it... I've started to try and go back the other way and do drums first, but... And it actually helped for the current solo stuff I'm working on just because I was able to kind of like tone shape a little bit better while I go. But yeah. before it would kind of it would kind of suck because I would have all my guitar tones, all my bass tones, and I'd be like, all right, fuck yeah, this song is cool. Record my drums, and then now it's like, all right, I'm trying to get my natural drums to work with everything else that is already done, you know? And right. It's kind of like, I'm a drummer. I should be doing this all the way around. <laughs> so that's kind of why I switched it now for recent stuff. But what were you going to say? You, uh, you I, like I, it, don't you? I love it. But I feel like probably for the listeners that don't know, the usual way from, from the beginning of multi-track recording is that the drums are recorded first mm. and then the other instruments on top. And what we're talking about here is a new sort of thing where you record everything except the drums first and then you record the drums at the end. Right. Which I I personally hadn't done until Will, but Nolly does it as well as far as I'm aware. And I love it because for two reasons – one, by the time you're in the studio and you come to tracking, you really know the songs because you've been listening to them all fucking day, every day. Right. And then the the other element is like, if something doesn't... When you're recording the drums first, you can hear every little thing that's out of time. So you get into... I'm sure you do the same, where it's like, oh, I need to quantize that bit. Oh, I need to edit this. And then you <laughs> yeah. edit it. And you, you end up, the whole thing is gridded. And right. it's like just because everyone's used to that. But when the guitars are there first, if it sounds good, you don't have to edit it. So there's like entire sections where you can get away with not editing. Oh, because you don't. Yeah. Because the guitars are like, there's like a feel there because the guitars have, the guitars are anchoring it to the click, click, if you know what I mean. You can be a little bit ahead, a little bit behind. Right. I like it for that. But then a flip side that I don't like it for is the you can't really get your drum parts sorted a hundred percent before you go into the studio because if the song if the song can change at any time because you're doing it to program drums, like sometimes I'll fly in and we'll start recording and then Will will be like, yeah, this whole section is gone now. And then there's, oh, yeah. brand, there's this brand new section here, and I'm like, okay, I need to reprogram my muscle memory to do that. Right. So that it's a bit annoying in that sense, but I think I would take it over doing the drums first. That's interesting too, though, because you guys, I mean, because I'm assuming Stray has good budgets when going into this kind of stuff, so you can 
kind of get a little bit of production from whoever you're working with, right? We get so much. So we, that's we go sick. in. That's another thing to probably mention is that that's not really like, I mean, at least for like what I've done, I don't, I've, I've barely had those types of experiences. So that's sick to hear. Yeah, so most people will have the song completely written before they go into the studio, and it's just a case of tracking it. Mm. But with, it's usually, you're right, it's usually not with bands like ours. It's usually with like fucking Lady Gaga will go into the studio and write in the studio and Foo Fighters and shit like that, where you don't sit, huddle around a computer in the practice room and write it there and then. Right, right. we, We come to Will with like, with what we think of full songs, and then Will goes, ah, no, uh, that that's section awesome. sucks. And then we write something new in the studio. See, that's that's how it should be done. <laughs> I I think a lot of bands, because you know I work with like local bands, uh, you know, obviously to make money when I'm home. So it's like one of the one of the biggest things that I always get asked is, oh, will you produce us? And immediately, I'm just like, no. <laughs> I'll mix you guys. I'll engineer and I'll mix you guys, but I will not produce. And the reason why I say that is because nine times out of ten, they'll be like, yeah, engineering and mixing, as if like that's what they constitute as pro- you know producing. But what they don't yeah. realize is that producing is actually going back and you know, picking apart the songs and whatnot. So it's like making them better. Yeah. It's like the, if the, <laughs> if the guitar player is recording a riff here and all of a sudden I turn around, I'm like, Hey, we should do something else there. He's going to look at me like the fuck do you mean? This is my song. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah, people don't, people aren't aware that production is not just making it sound nice. Right. It's not the mixing and the, mastering and whatnot and the engineering it's it's writing yeah making it better but yeah will does so much so we going into this next album we have six songs what we've pre-proed with will already so they've gone through like we had them as demos and then will had them and then now they are what we consider full songs that's cool we did the last stray album including will actually producing we did it in 14 days and we didn't have holy shit th- this many songs done so this time we're shooting for 12 days to track the entire album wow man that's crazy which is fucking insane yeah that's not that long <laughs> and we booked the studio for like a month so we don't, we don't have to take it that short but we just last time we just smashed it out of the park and this time you know, half of it is fully done other than just being tracked. Right, yeah. And also, we like to... Lyrics, we write a lot of lyrics in the studio. Okay. obviously, with like... I mean, it's not all political, but a lot of it's political, and that climate can change in 20 seconds. Right, so yeah. That's a, that's a part of it, but then also just... Because, like we say, we're doing the drums last... The, complete, the arrangement can change in a split second because it's right. like fucking Lego on the computer. You can be like, uh, let's move the intro to the outro and then that's it. And if Drew's come up with like a vocal over all that, then that's fucking ruined. Right, right. Anyway, it's not about me. Podcast Man, about I, gotta, me. I gotta bust out some Stray, dude. I used to like listen to so much Stray working out. That's such good workout material. 
I asked you to fill in for me, didn't I? Yeah, you did. I was, I was, when you asked me that, actually, man, I was like thoroughly excited because it was like, holy fuck, yeah, man, I w- would just hit the piss out of my drums for that music. But as soon as you were like, oh, yeah, and there's no click, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> and that's my life. And that, I, that, that, ah, oh, fuck uh, that you, that, ah, oh, fuck that you experienced, I experience it every day. Oh, <laughs> every man. day on tour. Oh, we're playing a show. Oh, fuck. There's no clear. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if it was one of those things where, you know, I like if you're joining a band and that's like what you're going to be playing, then it's a little different. But like because it was a fill in, it's like, no, you got to just own this material for that yeah. short period of time. I was like, ah. Short notice as well. And it was yeah. only fucking three shows. My visa was late because it ends up if the uh, president may or may not be a white supremacist sympathizer. That if you do a song about that, then your visa takes quite a long time <laughs> to get processed. Wait, for wait, some wait. Reason. Are you wait? Are you being dead serious? Well, it was the longest visa processing that our lawyer has ever seen. Ah, uh, yeah, it's getting so, fun these days. <laughs> and it was, but it was right after Goodnight Alt Right dropped. So I can only assume it was like Google the band. Oh, okay. Because the headlines were like, the, the song wasn't even about fucking, the video wasn't technically about Trump, but all of the right wing news picked it up and put Trump in the headline. So when you Googled the band name, it came up with just like all this anti-Trump shit. Right. And I think that's why it took so long. Wow, that's and crazy. Then, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I never even think about that, but that's like a real thing. Yeah, but then they obviously saw past it and were like, ah, it's fine, isn't it? Fucking... Get him in. Get yeah. him in the country. <laughs> um, but yeah, in fact, I actually play half the set to a click now. Oh, that's I've good. Pro- I've programmed clicks so that they're not the same tempo the whole way. And just f- this last tour we just did with that was the easiest and most fun I've ever had on tour because, because you know what it's like. If you're in the practice room and the click is on, that's what it's going to be like on stage. Oh man, tell me about it. I my first experience without a click on stage in the longest fucking time ever was with Marty Friedman two years ago. Something like that. 2016 summer or something. Anyways, point is it was a two hour set and What? Yeah. First off, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, man, it was brutal. So cause I've only ever recorded for, for him two albums in the studio. That's it. I never I've never played live with him until that fill in. Uh, of what it was like eight shows maybe nine something like that um and ironically enough my first bus tour in the states was just a fill-in for eight nine shows just like fuck man anyways that was i it what reason why i'm sour about that is because i it was like you know damn this is what it feels like to be comfortable on a tour <laughs> you know comfortable on a tour but not comfortable on the stage yeah, I mean, two hour set. That that's including like, so it was probably like an hour and a half to hour forty five of actual set, and then I don't know, add another you know five to ten minutes realistically for an encore. But the set could kind of take longer or shorter because there was a lot of improvised sections. Which brings me to what I was going to say: half the set was to a click, half was not. Mar, hang on, Marty Friedman. Yeah, can play for an hour and. 
45 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's fucking wild. And you played none of it to a click? I played half of it to a click. Oh, same as me. What, he just had songs that he didn't want to do? With a there, there, there were just songs that, that I couldn't play to a click because it was a lot of stop and go stuff. So, like, there was, like, a, you know, like, do-do-da-da-do-do-da-da, then it would just stop, and then he would play this, like, lead and, like, interact with the crowd and stuff, and then, like, you know, like, there was actually one song that did that, and while he's interacting with the crowd, I'd have to move the cursor over to the next click, and as soon as he would hold his hand up in the air, I'd hit space bar, and the count-in was so quick because the music had to come in immediately, or else it's just oh awkward God. for him to hold I'm his hand up in the attack. air. I'm having a panic attack now. <laughs> and then another thing, too, was like, one thing I had to get, to get used to was at the end of certain songs, he'd hold up like three fingers, which meant that we were going to do like three hits, you know, and like... You know, you know the um the classic Fucking old school guitarists. Oh man, you know you know the classic bucket of fish at the end of songs. Yeah, I can't. I don't do that shit. And holy fuck, I had to learn how to do that. Like, and by learn, I mean like I had to learn how to understand when to do it. So fucking funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> um, did you do Japan with him? No, because he lives in Japan, doesn't he? Yeah. So, is he playing Megadeth songs in the set, or is it all solo? No, he he does like one Megadeth solo in there. Uh, Tornado Souls. Yeah, fucking banger. To be fair. Yeah. So he does. It's like literally just a short snippet of that um, that he breaks out, and then that's pretty much it. Everything else is just. He has a fuck ton of solo material, man. That dude is is a busy guy. I just don't know because he's. I'm so jealous that he lives in Japan. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's like, I mean, he's he's full on like Japanese. <laughs> like you meet him, he'll he'll greet you with like a high and like a you know slight head bow. <sighs> what a fucking legend! I want to live in Japan so much. Yeah, I've seen you posting uh, about that. Oh my god, have you ever been? I've never been. I've been to the airport. That's it. Mate, it's the fucking... I just try and explain it to people. What I watched Anthony Bourdain the other day and he explained it. Like, when you come to Japan, like, your perception of Japan, how different it is, is like when Jimi Hendrix must have come to London where, like, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones were there and then Jimi Hendrix turns up and it's just, like, nuts. <laughs> like that's what going to Japan is like. It's like you're the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, not musically, but just like in terms of what you think you know about right. the world, and then you turn up at fucking Jimi Hendrix experience. <laughs> Nuts. <laughs> it's crazy. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I mean I, I'd love to go. I'm actually gonna go on vacation this year because it's the only year Stray isn't going, because we're going next year, I think. Okay. And I'm like, I can't go a year without it. Wow. Do you man. eat sushi? Awesome. Do you like sushi? No. Oh my fucking god. Why are you on the <laughs> podcast? Is it because you're vegan or you just don't like sushi? I'm vegetarian. I, I don't I just and that and I don't I just don't like sushi. Also, vegetarian sushi is like whatever. Like, yeah. I, need I just it, I've just never really been into it, that's all. No, but even if you don't like it, you know. The place is great as well, but I was just going to mention that the sushi, it's not just like people just say, oh, you've got to try the sushi in Japan. It's life-changingly different. 
That's awesome. The weirdest shit. Anyway, enough of me fucking gobbing off about Japan. <laughs> Marty Friedman has a million, a million songs. You didn't play them with a click. That must have been horrible. Blah blah blah. That's that bit done. I didn't ask you if you wanted, to, <laughs> if you had anything. It's not very professional. This isn't, mate. It's not professional at all. Um, I didn't ask you if you had anything you want. Oh yeah, I did. I'm fucking talking to myself. This is the point where people turn off because they're like, this guy's just rambling. <laughs> you are doing a sample pack with Rudy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Has it got a name? Is this, <laughs> is this a world exclusive? RNS. That's what we're calling it. Rudy and Sastry, Rudy and Snoop, whatever you want to think of. RNS. RNS. Nice. R and S. Yeah, R and S. Cool. Yeah, man. It's all recorded? It's everything is recorded. We recorded it this time last year. Uh, just about um, fuck. We did a fuck off amount of drums, dude. I remember it. You oh were like, it was around Christmas. I just remember you two were just hanging out constantly. Oh, it was fucking crazy. I mean, we were going insane. So the other reason why I so I, where I track is is I leave the doors open just so my room mics can can like you know. Yeah, that's Herrick. Yeah, so my con- my like control room in quote unquote is is right next to one of the doors that that opens to the drum room. So I'm literally sitting here in front of my monitors with them muted, obviously, and I have isolation headphones on with a mixer, and I'm just making sure I'm I'm listening for noise because the room mics are p- can pick up my dog walking upstairs or if my cat meows or whatever the fuck it is, right? Rudy's hitting a ride, okay? A ride symbol. You know how fucking long those th- things take to decay? So boring. He's hitting it. We're doing like at least five velocities for the thing, and I'm just sitting there in front of my computer, head in hands, just listening for noise every single hit. And I bet that makes you really tired. The, oh, man, it was the, brutal. It's weird how listening intently can make you exhausted. It was brutal, and I, I I know I missed some stuff just because there's no way you know I I would have been able to pay attention that well for that long. But man, we did what did we do? We did 13 kicks. We did like wow. five. Give me give me list some off for me. L- uh, list me off the, the 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 chart toppers. What you got? Well, Anything I unique? mean, right. Well, I wouldn't really say unique, but. Um, one of our favorites is one of my kicks, the 22 by 16 Birch Babinga, uh, Star Classic. That's one of those. Love it. Yeah. And it's what was really nice about that was that we had four different sizes of kick drums between Alex and I for the Birch Babinga. Um, wow. So, which is now discontinued as well. So that's... Which is now discontinued. Yeah. Um, we, did a, we also did a Star Classic Maple 22 by 18. We did, there's a Pearl Reference, there's a, uh, a Pearl Masters Premium, there's like a DW twenty two by eighteen. There's nice. What snares? We did twenty two of them. Twenty two snares. Snares on Is this and all snares off. Going to be in the one pack. Uh, I guess so. Maybe I think we might we might have two packs to be honest. Just because we did so the Star Classic Burst Babinga kit that we did is probably the most um like well rounded kit that we we sampled. And then the second yeah. one after that was a Star Classic Maple Kid. And we kind of had, you know, a mixed match of other drums to kind of trickle in and out of it. But for the most part, it, it, 
equaled out to be about five sets of toms um, in total on top of the 13 kicks. So we, I don't know how we're really going to package all this stuff, to be honest. But, yeah. I think I mean, it probably makes sense to do a few, like, add-ons. Do a main pack and then add-ons. Yeah. In terms of, I'm thinking just about monetizing. And uh, Although you could argue <laughs> that if you just fucking... You have a product which has absolutely fucking everything you could ever need immediately mm. that you would sell more. Yeah, well, I mean, the the idea of it, I guess, was that was just that it, if worse comes to worse, we can package it either all together or maybe have two different things or whatever it is. But it gives us a couple of options, and then once that's out, Alex and I, I mean, we're already talking about sampling another, you know two or three kits with like a whole bunch of other different ideas and shit, but it's crazy, you man. Worry about, you got to worry about piracy. Yeah. And it needs well, to be, obviously you, you've obviously thought of this a million times, but in my head, the first thing that comes to mind is like, do whatever you got to take to make it cheap enough that people would rather buy it than just fucking torrent it. Do you know what I mean? GGD is fucking cheap how good it is right no absolutely i mean yeah and that's uh, we, our, ours probably isn't going to be like too far off from that if anything maybe cheaper i don't know we don't really know yet about a lot of that kind of stuff but um one thing that we are kind of not really worried about but it's just on our radar is the fact that it's nowhere near as processed as what's out there now so like it sounds much more like it's definitely processed, but it it doesn't have that kind of plug and play effect. I guess you know. Um, yeah, but the first GGD didn't have that. The Halfone one's not that processed, is it? It's pretty processed. I mean, you basically just have to put a parallel compression bus on it, and it's for the most part good to go. But I mean, um, at least I thought so. But this one definitely sounds like a little bit more of a freshly recorded studio kit, you know. So I mean, that's cool though. Well, like. I mean, Superior Drummer, you had to process the fuck out of that to get that to sound good. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. And that is, like, still the standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't... I, we used um, the modern and massive GGD for demoing straight, and I fucking love it. Nice. It's, like, just immediately sounds incredible, which I am a fan of. But I remember the Halpern, the Halpern pack I didn't like. The first one, I was like, and it's, but I think I wanted to not have to mix anything whatsoever. Yeah, I got you. Well, you'll probably I'm, have to mix for our. <laughs> It'd be cool I, to send it to you though, and see what you think. You know, when we have like some kind of working version, we're still we're still so early, early stages of it. So, I would love to check it out. I love even just fucking. I'm at, oh, okay, you're now. It's getting late here. It's not late at all. I just got drunk as fuck last night. Um, <laughs> and I don't usually get drunk, but my wife worked on New Year's Eve, so we didn't really do anything. And then she had, she's got tonight and last night off. She never has evenings off. Oh. So last night we were just like, we, I, was, I made dinner and then she was like, oh, I'm going to make us some cocktails. And then we had two drinks each. And then I was like, have you poisoned me? She was like, no. And I was like, well, I am like gradually getting slower and slower the more I talk. And she was like, yeah, there was seven shots of rum in those two drinks. 
Oh my and god! I, and I just like sculled both of them because they were so nice. They were like little shorts, like little dakiris, and I was like dakiris. What you got dakir? Dakiri, dakiri. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'll just sm- smash these back. And then I was immediately like disabled. <laughs> that's that's a that's lot of fucking I'm, rum, though, man. For two drinks, seven shots. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was. That's why I'm tired, and I've completely lost my train of thought. This is professional podcasting. <laughs> This it's is why I good, can't man. do a sample pack because there'll be Sundays you know. are my Sundays are my off days anyways too. I, I've started to give myself an off day just to like not do shit and hang out with my dog and cat. So nice. What kind of dog you got? Uh big old German Shepherd. I know this. I just wanted the listeners to know this. Uh, it's a big, big, cute dog. It's a big old dog. And then a That's my- the kind of dog that would tear someone's face off if he had to. No, he's pretty protective. He he just turned into a guard dog just because we kind of live out in the middle of nowhere. So it's like he doesn't yes. really get socialized all that much. But after like 15 minutes of like, you know, evaluating you, he's good. Nice. Um, we're going to talk about equipment for a minute. Yeah. Because we've, we've been doing this for an hour and 20 minutes now, mate. So we're going to talk about equipment. And then we'll talk about some of your favorite bands. Let's do and it. that'll kind of be it. Um, we play all the same companies. Yeah. Because they're the best ones. <laughs> <There's> no, <laughs> it's funny when you meet other people that play exactly the same companies because it's like, yeah, they are the best, aren't they? I, uh, yeah, there's really no other way to put it. Not to sound like cocky on behalf of the companies that we're with, but... I don't know, man. They're pretty fucking sick, you know? <laughs> so sick. And you just joined Evans. Oh, man. So happy. <laughs> and it's just the the array of heads. Not all, And obviously Aaron. Shout out to Aaron for just being yeah, a legend. absolutely. Aaron used to work at Tama, and I guess that's how you know him. And yep. He moved, you moved? Yep, yep. That's a thing, isn't it? I've talked about it on the podcast before, like... Yeah, a lot of companies make good stuff, but you also need somebody who is in your corner. And sometimes that person moves companies, and you want to go with them just because you're you built that relationship up so much. Yeah, absolutely, man. I I think I I, I value uh, artist relations more now than I do the actual like products because I mean like every company is still going to make you know, like sick shit. I, I still think that the companies we're with make the sickest stuff, but like, yeah, when it comes down to it, I, I definitely have a lot more value for the people that we work with for that kind of stuff. So like Chris Brewer, for example, man. Yeah. That dude is the fucking man. He's, um, it took me a while to get in with him. Not in, so Chris, I love Chris, by the way. That sounded like I was just going to say no. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, he sucks. No, love Chris. But Minel Germany and Minel USA are two different companies. Right. So initially, when I came over, I was still having to go through Minel Germany because I didn't really have a deal with Minel USA. Gotcha. And uh, that was kind of, it wasn't, I hadn't even met Chris by this point. And then at one point I just met Chris. And then the minute I met him, it was like immediately like, yo, you know, you can just come through me now. And I was like, oh, this is insane. 
So now right. I have two artist relations for Minor, and they're both lovely people. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I, I forgot to even think about that. That's a thing. <laughs> How long have you been with Minor? Uh, uh, 2012 or 2013? I think 2012. You are one of the only people, as well as me, who use some of the quote-unquote lower line stuff because we like the way it sounds. Lower line meaning like what? Like I mean, like the classics, custom dark. Stuff oh like yeah, that. yeah. Oh man, like, I think the crashes are great on those. Though the twenty classics, customs dark crash sounds like it costs three times the price. Yeah, it sounds absolutely. like a B20 symbol. Yeah, totally, man. And the and other people, nice thing, like, get put off by it. I I don't I don't know why, man. I think they track great as well. I think they. Uh, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, the durability on them too is crazy. Uh, which is insane. It's really nice. I've never really. I'm gonna warp that symbol ten times over before I'm gonna crack it. You know what I mean? Have you warped? I've never warped one. Oh man, I've I've warped a bunch of classic custom dark. What the twenties? Twenties, eighteens, nineteens. You name them. Okay, you officially hit harder than me. Because I've warped symbols before, but I've never warped one of those. Yeah. And the those, 18 China sounds incredible as well. That is my favorite China for sure. I We just did that tour with Silent Planet, and uh, Alex from Silent Planet was playing with like a cracked Byzance, and I was like, yo, I've got a backup. Classics Custom Dark. Just use that. And at first, he was like, it looks like a Slipknot symbol because it's black. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then he played it, and he was like, actually, this is sick. And then he got one off Chris. Like, they're fucking great symbols. What I want to do, what I want to do is get them to make one that isn't black. Like, I get it, dark, the classic <laughs> custom dark, but like, did you see the new or the latest Brandela Ghost Ride? Uh-uh. So I think it's, the, I think they took a classic custom dark or like a B8, but it was black and then they sandblasted it. Interesting. So okay. They, they they put like the Benny Greb sandglass that sandblast finish on it, and it ended up looking so sick that if they just like rebrand, they obviously don't have to rebrand them, but if they rebranded Classics Custom Dark as like like a sandblasted version that looks slightly less like a UFO, yeah, then more people would buy them. I think. I think- I think that's a good that's that's a good point because like you said it looks a little bit slipknotty, right? <laughs> that I think that's what puts people off but and people are hearing with their eyes and not their ears. Absolutely, man. Yeah, cuz that I, that was one of the first things that I thought as well when Mono first brought that out. I was kind of just like, "Ah, oh, okay, I, I, you know, cool. Let's give it a shot." And then they they sent me a whole bunch of them. I tried them and I was like, "Oh, fuck. These are even the hi-hats, too, man. I remember liking the hi-hats. I don't use those much anymore, but they kind of nailed it on the dot, I feel like, with that with that line. I've never tried the hi-hats. They're not bad. I mean, they're not... They're definitely not my favorite anymore, but they, they're still sick. That's sick. Uh, I really want them to make a 19-inch um, China again. They don't make one anymore. No 19s. 
I've never I've never had a 19-inch china, but I'm sure that's fucking dope. My thing is that I prefer a 20 sound-wise, mm. but I can't fit a 20 in my setup because of I don't have a huge setup and the drum risers aren't big enough for me to have my china far enough away that the playable right. bit isn't over my floor, Tom, if you know what I right, mean. Right, right, yeah. So It's a big-ass symbol. <laughs> and 19 is like almost the sound of a 20 yeah but slightly more positionable right 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 and i'm trying to get minor to make me a like um i don't want an r&d thing because i know they do do r&d but just make me a pure alloy 19 or a classics custom dark 19 and sandblast it and then put my fucking name on it and then we'll make millions (laughs) (laughs) i bet you i could sell it Make this minor. I know you're listening. I know there's two of you, at least two of you, and one of you works in the sales department. I can sell this symbol for you. Just make it happen, please. This is yeah. This is Craig Reynolds for minor symbols. <laughs> um. So who else do we play? Vic Firth. We talked about that. Tamar. Uh, Evan. That's it. That's all the big ones, isn't it? That's pretty much it, man. Yeah. You got anything you want to talk about? I've just been talking at you. I'm sorry if I've talked I, over you. No, not at all, man. This is great. I hope we can uh, actually meet in person someday and, you know, hang out and shit. I would love that. Work out. Let's go lift some weights or something. I saw I you post something. You were, you, were in, you were like, if I'm going through your town, let me know if you want to work out. I was so tempted to hit you up, but it was like a, it was like a weekend or something like that. And I was like, I'm not trying to go work out today. That's fine. Just uh, next time, do it. I'm, uh, I love working out. I love working out on tour. I love, like, when Rudy came over, he was doing something with Good Tiger. We just, like, I met him in London. We just went and hit a gym. It was, like, a good hang. Yeah. Just good vibes. That was, that was my plan as well when I was going to be out there for the Devon thing because I was like, oh, we, well, I, you know, I could hit, hit up people I know and go work out like you uh to well the, uh, really just you um but then i'm the main one yeah but then we started driving to mono valley and i was like oh i'm in the middle of nowhere yeah so you know what's funny about four more hours in that direction and then you get to uh the place that nolly records at all the time what's that place called the other studio you know what middle I mean? farm Middle Farm is like, you're already in the sticks for mono, and then you drive four more hours in that direction. Are you fucking then, kidding me? Yeah, it's like the end of the earth. <laughs> oh my God, man. But I guess it's the the property prices out there are so cheap that you can have a studio that's is that, nice. Is that, is that what does it? Is just, is just pricing for that kind of yeah. stuff? Okay. Yeah. Like, that's why I live, I live, technically I live up north now. Whereas Reading is close to London, and it, what you get for your money in terms of like buying a property is so much more. It's insane just because of how far you are away from London. Right, it's sickening. Yeah, we were out there, man. Yeah, it's crazy. fucking that, out like, there. Mono Valley is so fucking cool, though. That drum room, like Oasis, have recorded there. It's on the back of an Oasis record. Yeah, that is. Yeah. It's legendary. Yeah, man. Right, I'm going to get your top five bands 
and then we're going to call it a day. Sounds good. Uh, top five bands. All right. Did uh, I pre-warn you on this? Because sometimes you did. I forget to pre-warn people. Good. No, so I appreciate no you pre-warning me because I had to think about it. <laughs> yeah, because it sucks. It sucks yeah. as a question, but that's why I like it. Uh, all right. So Ben Folds or Ben wow. Folds 5, either one. Um, Soundgarden. Nice. Audio, Audio Slave, which is, you can argue. Whoa. And then, Whoa. Let, no, no, no. We're going to stop right there. <laughs> Unless one of these next two bands are Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> what is the deal with that? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, there's no judgment, but. They, I know. I mean, yeah, I kind of figured I'd get flack for that. But at the same time, I they just both each have songs that I fucking, you know, I've just kind of grown up listening to, I guess, you know, might as well be like the same band, I feel like. But yeah, but how many albums did Audio Slave do? Oh, I don't even know. I should know this, being that it's I on the top five. I thought there was just five, like but... one. I mean, I'm probably wrong. I if it is, then they have all... That's, no, that's Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the main, what's the main one? I don't even oh, know the main shit. one. Oh, shit. There's a couple of them, man. The main... Coaches. Co- co- Coaches. Coaches, yeah. There's four. <clears throat> there's four. No, there's three. There's three Audio Slave albums. I just got Jamie to pull it up. There's three. Um, Gasoline is another crazy song of theirs. They do have bangers. Yeah, they got some bangers, man. I'll give you that there are there there are bangers there. Like but a I'm, stone was there like, hey, we don't want to be heavy. Hey, you want bands to do that? <laughs> anyway, right, that's your three. I'm surprised, but I'm not judging you. What's four and five? Uh, Periphery. Nice. Fucking love Periphery, man. Uh, and then Incubus. Nice. I'm the only person I know that doesn't like Incubus. Really? Fair yeah, enough. I just, uh, I just never really got into it. It's not, you're not, you're not the first just... person I've heard say that, so... Um, periphery, musically, and as people, love them. I can't listen to too many songs because of the clean vocals. I'm not a big really? clean vocals. I'm not a big clean vocals guy. Over metal, Fair other enough. than tes- other than Tesseract. For some reason, I'm okay with Tesseract. Yeah, I mean, that's your thing, man. I, I actually, uh, I don't know. I, I like, I, lo- I, I love clean vocals, actually, over metal. Depending on the context, but, yeah. I didn't say that because I thought I was right, by the way. I just wish that I could like them more, but for some reason I don't. And I think, I think when, I see, when I see them live, I'm always like, this is amazing. Yeah. And then, in fact, I don't think it's the vocals. I think maybe it's the production. I'm just fucking slating them all now. <laughs> Interesting, <laughs> no, really? But not as in like it's too good. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like because I listen to like black metal and stuff like that. I like a bit of fucking dirt. And then when you listen to Periphery on a record, it's like this is every instrument sounds perfect and that that should be a good thing. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I no, I got do you. With, <laughs> well, the do one I thing sound 
bad saying that. No, man. I mean, the the one thing I, I really... The reason why they're on the list for me is because in the whole progressive metal like context, they they kind of just have like all of the pu- the parts to the puzzle, I guess, and they do it well enough every time they they hit those types of aspects. You know, like when it comes to clean vocals, when it comes to odd time stuff. If it's just like, all right, let's just write a riff and make it fucking heavy and groove out and whatever, you know. And the man's but- a fucking genius. Yeah, it, I I think it's like the most well-rounded. It's the it, it's also like the only progressive metal I can listen to the like today and not be like, oh, I've already heard this. Yeah, and I think maybe that's part of my problem as well. Is that Periphery came out and they like reinvented metal essentially, Absolutely, and then yeah. you had five billion bands copying Periphery. <laughs> yeah. And I think I heard all those bands copying them first. And then I was like, because like, and then it came to like periphery and I was like, "Eh." I don't know. I think I just missed the boat. I Matt's Matt's one of the fucking best drummers. Mish is fucking his, like his, obviously his writing and everything, but in particular his metric modulation stuff that they do. Mm. blows my mind when it will like go to a six eight feel or whatever a dotted eighth note feel or whatever it's all crazy but for some reason i'm not putting it on yeah fair enough man no i want you to help me figure out why (laughs) (laughs) i don't want you to say fair enough i want you to tell me i'm wrong and then tell me where i can start to change this because i I see them live i'm like this is amazing and then i'll go and put it on and i'm like nah (laughs) I don't know. I, 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 it's hard. I don't really. I'm it's not got to like, be a production. I'm not really upset that you're saying that. That's. I guess that's why I'm not like trying to change. I'm. Mind, I'm. I'm upset. <laughs> From a songwriting standpoint, too. That's another thing. Just. I mean, it, they. I personally think they fucking kill it. I think they. You're right. Don't don't stop saying stuff like I'm gonna turn around and say no, they don't because I know their songs are amazing. <laughs> I just don't listen to it. Uh, I'm gonna try it in a minute. I'm gonna make some dinner, right? I'm gonna put Periphery on. And that's not a, That's not even a. That's not. I would never do that, and I love Periphery. Well, hang on. Well, that's not like a good setting to put Periphery. Uh, maybe when you're like driving or like. So when am I putting Periphery on? <laughs> when am I putting Periphery on? I don't know. When you have like a drive, when you have like you know, fifteen, twenty minute drive, you'd be like, all right, let me listen to a couple songs. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, like when you when you got to go work out or something. If you have to do cardio. Yeah, and that won't be happening. Um, well, okay, I'm going to do this. Next time I've got a 20-minute drive. In fact, when I drive to the studio tomorrow, I'm going to listen to Periphery. But what Periphery am I going to listen to? Can you tell oh, me? Man. Because uh P2. The second is album. That, is that the one that starts with a really fast song? Uh, yes. Have a blast. Yep. C. I, this is a story, this is a, <laughs> right, so when Matt dislocated his shoulder, what are you laughing okay. at? You no, laughing I'm just, at? I'm just waiting, man, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I announced the story before it started it. Yeah, this yeah. is a story. Yeah. Right. When Matt dislocated his shoulder in 2000, I want to say <clears throat> 13? Yeah. Before, it was like at the airport for a Euro tour. And I vaguely knew the guys 
I hope they don't hate me if they listen to this because I I do like their band. I just don't listen to their band. Um, but anyway, so this 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 is going to round off this conversation, right? So I knew the guys sort of basically for I can't remember how, but I kind of knew them to talk to them or whatever. Matt dislocates his shoulder. I get a phone call. I can't remember if it was Matt or if it was Misha, and they were like, "Matt's dislocated his shoulder. We've got this tour that starts in five days. Uh, do you want to do it?" And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, sure, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> I had some, I had some like architects, architects work, like drum teching that I would have had to cancel, but it was like I would do that to play. Anyway, so then I start listening to the songs, and I was like, whoa, hang the fuck on, <laughs> this, this is insane. There's no way I can do this, and then not in five days anyway, and definitely back then just couldn't do it straight up. Um, and then so I rang Matt back and I was like, yo, like, I don't think I can learn this in, uh, this space of time. And then Matt goes, oh, you know, man, like, you know, the song, you, you know, the like, uh, structures, we just need someone that can get from the beginning of the song to the end. And I didn't have the heart to be like, yo, I don't know the song structures. <laughs> like, there's no way that I can do this. So I just lied. And I said that, uh, I have like... I had, I couldn't get out of the architect's work, which I could have got out of the architect's work. I just yeah. lied and was like, nah, yeah. because I would have just, it was like a big Euro tour. I would have just looked like shit. I would have definitely fucked it up. No, that, that's some bullshit where, where it's like, we just need to, we just need someone to get from the beat. No, fuck all that. That's, go on. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine me going and fuck, just anyone just jamming along to a periphery <laughs> song live. Yeah. And the fans, the kind of fans that like periphery just being like, yeah, good for you. That was really good. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be, that'd be it. Career over. Absolutely, man. They've, like they've, the they've, uh, they've asked, I, it's weird. I've, they've asked me maybe like, and they've asked a few drummers. It's not, you know, as yourself. I know Boris, uh, Mike Malian, who else? There's anyways, uh, they've asked me like maybe three or four times now, like to fill in for like a couple dates or like for this or whatever. And every single time they're just like, it, it's, it's within like five days. You know what I mean? And that's the, that's what happens though, isn't it? Yeah. And, something... and, and it's like, I listen to them though. Like I know the songs and I'm still just like, I'm not going to fucking like, career suicide myself like that are you kidding me you couldn't have like told me maybe 10 days ago even you know like yeah that's pretty fucking nuts yeah um yeah i would love to play that music live but i would love to like that music (laughs) it's not like dislike it i just it's (laughs) i hope they don't listen to this and think i hate them because i respect them all massively and i wish that i liked their band and I do like their band. I just don't listen to it. I, I'm going to... This is my own therapy right now. And you know what the worst <laughs> thing about all of this is? I think uh. the worst thing is that some motherfucker that listens to this podcast is going to tell Matt about... Or whoever. Because I, I remember I talked shit on Promark. And uh, <laughs> you got someone, shit for it later. Someone, no, people just fucking tag me and whoever I'm talking shit about. Yeah, yeah. They're like, someone tagged me. I was just talking shit on Promart. Like, I can't remember. It was that bad. I was like, oh, it was about oak sticks. I was saying that I think oak sticks are like a lawsuit waiting to happen because the fucking the shock goes into your wrist. Um, and then some guy like tagged me in a Matt Halpern 
photo of like his sticks. Oh and shit! Like, oh, you think these suck or whatever? And it's like, well, he doesn't play the oak ones, and now Matt's like thinking, the fuck have I been saying on his podcast? <laughs> and now I've actually technically said I don't like his band, but I do. Man, like Man, you're just you're on fire right now with with those I'm guys. Fucking I'm digging a hole, so I'm going to end it here. Whatever. It'll be like, if it does make it, you know, if it does get any life after this podcast, it'll be like a few days and then people, Trump will do something or, you know, another band will be accused of fucking something. I don't think me not liking periphery is on the same, same level as uh, Trump's. Well, that's what, Trump's up that's to. what I mean. It's like, I, that's what I mean is it's not, it's not going to matter is my point. Yeah, and they're, I mean, I know them. They'll be fine. Maybe they'll just suggest to me, why don't you try with this, start with this song? But I'm going to start with P2 on my drive tomorrow. And I'm going to let you know, let you know how it goes. The last, uh, Ragnarok, the last song is fucking sick also. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of hits on that one. Do you know who else I can't really get into? Who? <laughs> 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 uh... Animals as leaders. Oh shit, dude! Except I love. This is the thing. Are you serious, man? Matt Matt Gasker is incredible, and I will listen to it just to listen to his parts. And are you being serious right now? I'm being 100 percent serious. I'm, I'm kidding. The, I'm trying to make this more dramatic. But the self-titled, <laughs> the self-titled, which is fucking program drums. Yeah, I am in love with. Me too. And then everything else. Which is actually, which Misha programmed those drums. So, yeah. Misha, I do love you, buddy. <laughs> love that album. <laughs> and I love Matt Gasker's drumming, but I just don't care about you know what, the other songs. You know, one thing that always, like, pissed me off about the fans of Animals as Leaders is that with that first album that Misha, Misha did with them, uh, when that first came out, I thought the mix on that, I thought everything about that was just fucking awesome i thought the mix was insane yeah, loved it still do. i was i was still getting into progressive metal too at that point so for, for me to hear that i was like what the fuck is this sorcery right yeah you you go years later after they release a bunch of albums people going back and like shitting on that mix now you know like so like, oh, really? it's too this, I, don't it's too that. I don't know i mean i've read a, whole, a lot of shit comments about the mix on that first album and I, it just pisses me off every time because I'm just like, whatever, man. You know when that shit came out, it fucking sent your head, you know, into La La Land because it was so fucking out of this world, you know? This is the thing, and it has, like, a vibe. Maybe this is this is the great place to end the podcast because that album doesn't sound like anything else. Even no, though it's programmed drums and it's, I'm guessing, amps Fuck, I'm going to listen it, to that album, man. It has a vibe, and that's what I need. I don't need something that sounds like everything else. I need a vibe. And whether that vibe is shitty to some people, like, I know what maybe people are talking shit about on that album. It's like, the, it's really squished, but I love that. Yeah. No, I mean, that was one of the things, I think, was, was the compression on it, but I, I, I thought it was amazing. Do you know what I actually what what Animals as Leaders album I listen to more than any other is the the latest live one because I, I love that. I haven't even checked it out. I honestly, what? it's I insane because you get to hear Matt playing the old songs with his like parts and everything, and then it's mixed really nice, 
but it's real. There's no sample replacement, and they haven't edited anything because you can hear like a couple of tiny little flubs. Right. And it's like, I don't know, maybe I just like stuff that sounds a little bit shit. <laughs> 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 I I haven't I haven't really listened to animals as leaders at all in the past like three or four years to be honest. There you go. So you're in the same boat as me. I'm just being vocal about it. <laughs> not that not that I don't like them. I think they're fucking sick. I just it I I don't know. I just if I'm gonna listen to metal these days, it's gonna be like fucking heavy as shit. Or yeah, exactly. Or just you know, I'm not gonna listen to it. True. I hear so. that. So hang on. I've talked shit about everyone now i'm gonna go this has been great mate i would like i would like to continue this conversation Uh, another time absolutely awesome so now we're gonna say bye and then we're gonna stay on the phone and you're gonna talk about sending me your file yeah all right man all right nice one man fake bye now bye see you buddy